What I'd like to share today, uh, we've kind of been in this, how many of you have been with us for ice, you know, ice cream to I do the last uh, few weeks, really getting, from the, getting to the place where we understand what does it really mean to live inside of a covenant relationship with God. It's not a religious thing. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible tells us to compare my relationship, my covenant relationship with God to my natural relationship with Tina. And as I use that, because I can see what I do, you know, if I do certain things, it makes things better. I can do certain things and it makes things worse. And I can use that to be able to understand then how is my relationship with my heavenly father going. And so we can, we've, we've tried to be along that road a little bit to give us context. Because I think when it comes to understanding the covenant, most of us, we don't usually use that word unless we are in church. And certainly we don't live in a covenant culture. Um, and so we need to really begin the discovery process of what does it really mean to think like a covenant person, to interact like a covenant person, in, even in natural realms of things, because, you know, wherever you are, there you are. And so if you don't do well in your covenant relationships naturally, don't be surprised that you're, that you're not necessarily receiving the things that, that you know, like what we're talking here, the open heavens and the blessing of God flowing and all those kind of things. It doesn't, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying we can look at those things to understand these things rather than saying, God, how come you're not blessing me? It's like me saying to Tina, Tina, how come you're not blessing me? And then what should be going on in my head is like, how many points do you have here? Like, have you got any points? If you don't have any points and aren't working on points, then don't worry about whether they're blessing you or not. That's not the job. They can easily bless you if you just get some, get some cash in the bank, just get some points. This isn't a marriage seminar, so relax. <laughs> what I'm going to talk about today, because we're, we're on the process now as we're in this New Year season, we're in the process of setting course for January, in January for 2019. And so really being able to not just be caught up in the hype of setting myself on a new course this year, but how do I bring it to bring, put, set myself on course and then understand what it takes for that course to actually produce the thing I'm trying to get operational in my life? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but it's unlikely that this is your first New Year's resolution chat about what it takes to make a New Year's resolution and fulfill a New Year's resolution. As you remember, you know, Pastor Alex was, was ministering on that the last couple of weeks, and if you're online with us, you're getting videos that are talking about tips that will help you with making New Year's resolutions and keeping them and seeing them develop into habits, which it develops into part of your, your experience of your life. But what I'd like to kind of give us today, since we're in the, in the understanding of covenant, is, um, is the matter of my dreams getting married. And so the title of today's message was, you know, today's the day when your dreams get married. Because when we're single, the dreams that we have are just our dreams. And I'm in the self-discovery part of my life when I'm single. And I, I, I need to know, do I like, you know, chocolate or vanilla? You know, do I like jeans or khakis? Do I like to live in the city or the country? Do I like blondes or brunettes? Although that's really not that important anymore. <laughs> Um, I've had both, and they're the same person, you know. <laughs> Only been married once, but I've been married to a blonde and a brunette. I should say it like that. There's a riddle in there somewhere if you... Uh... And, but there's a discovery season for that. And it's important that we get in there and we understand those type of things. Where am I going? What do I like? What don't I like? Um, but a lot of the times when we come into a, a married relationship where people struggle is that their dreams get married too. And that now those separated dreams, Tina's dreams and Ian's dreams, had to somehow come together and create, uh, be unified so that we would be heading in the same direction. Do you understand? I'm not, we're not constantly, I'm trying to go east and she's trying to go west and we're pulling at the rope for the rest of our natural lives together because we haven't realized, no, you're supposed to now get in a place where your dreams get married together. And they become one dream that expresses itself in all of the desires and all of that gets worked in. So all of my desires get worked in, Tina's desires get worked in, and then it goes, okay, so I guess we're going here. Now, there are going to be potentially some things that they, got, they have to fall off the table. 
right? Because if, uh, I said this to you the other day, you know, if my dream is still to go and sit on a beach by myself and have some peace and quiet, I ought not have got married. Because now uh, we sit on the beach together if we ever do that. And so it should, if Tina found out that I was taking six vacations a year by myself because I really wanted to get away from her, how many of you would say, yeah, okay, there's something there. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not sure if that's right. Uh, that the problem being is that when we come in to covenant, what really creates ease between the two of us is that we let our dreams come together as well. Isn't that true? The same thing happens when we are entering our covenant with God. So if my dreams are still like I'm a child, you know, not child, but you know, a young person single. And so it's like, okay, my dream is I want to drive a Ferrari and I want to live on the beach and I want to have lots of vacations and I want lots of money and I want to eat ice cream every day and I want to, and I want to, and I want to, and I want to. Fine, I don't mind you have all those things. But when you get into a covenant, so my relationship with Tina is I want, 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 I want. How many of you would say, yeah, you need to attend Ian's marriage class because if you're still I wanting in a marriage relationship, you're going to have problems. If, if that's all that it is, I'm not saying you don't get to I want in a, in, a, in a marriage relationship, but if that's all that it is, isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. So now when we're going to my relationship with God, where we've seen a lot of sort of North American style Christianity, not because you, you, you did something wrong, but because we didn't understand that New Testament Christianity is actually a covenant. It is me coming into covenant through the shed blood of the lamb with God. So then if that's true, I mean, we say that that's true. That's probably not the first time you've heard that. I didn't come up with that, right? And so if we understand it that way, then when did my dreams meld with his dreams? If I'm the wife, then I, in fact, meld mine, but you know, there's a little bit of a pecking order there. He actually becomes the boss as the husband. And so it's not that he doesn't care about my dreams. Not that I don't care about Tina's dreams. I care more about Tina's dreams than I care about my own dreams. But I care about them all, right? I, there's a massaging that has to happen in that process. That's God's job to allow that massaging to happen so that you see, okay, this is where I'm going, which is good. And this is where God wants me to go, which is good. There may be some adjustments in the process, but if I'm still just sitting at God's feet going, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I'm not even open to the discussion from God to say, oh, what would you like? Right. Does that make some sense? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of our North American Christianity has really been, been uh, jammed up because we just didn't understand. The first, matter of fact, before I'm getting married to Tina, we should be talking about, so where would you like to go in your life? Because after you say, I do, then I find out that she wants to live in Sri Lanka and I want to live on the moon. Well, okay, so that's probably going to be a problem. Right. At least you would say, well, if Ian lives on the moon and Tina lives in Sri Lanka, they don't really have a marriage, do they? No. I mean, they, they Skype every now and again, right? Let's let people come into church on Sunday. That's just Skyping. You're just wow. watching, right? And so, oops, whoa. So when we are, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I mean, can we talk practically, right? If you found out that Tina and I lived in different homes in different countries, you'd go, I'm not, maybe they're married. Maybe in, in, there's, a, there's some piece of paper somewhere that says they're married, but I, I don't know if they are. Do you know what I mean? Like not in the real context of it. And a lot of times that's where we have this relationship with God. It was never intended to be separate like that. The only reason that it was separate is because we didn't know. You mean God's actually interested in my dreams? Oh, oh yeah, that's where you got them from. He didn't have to create human beings with the abilities to dream or to desire things. He could have made us like robots. Everything gray, tastes like chicken. He could have done that, he didn't. He gave us chocolate and vanilla. He gave us the ability to make preferences and to you know, go down that road of self-discovery. But maybe even more so, did we ever think that when I have a relationship with God, God is interested in relationship with me because he would also has desires. Yes. Yes. 
that he would like to fulfill in the relationship that he has with me. And that as we go, if you think about, I'm way off topic here, but if you think about why did God decide to do this whole human thing in the beginning? Because I would have thought somewhere along the road, God would have rethunk it and all of us would just vanish one day. Because it's a, not a great idea as as I look at it. At least not turning out to be a great idea. Instead of that, what we realize is God in his infinite presence wanted to live life inside a human being. To experience life seven billion times over and over again in a capacity that he cannot experience it. Do you know the exhilaration of finishing a project? Mm -hmm. How great that feels? Mm -hmm. The only way God could ever have that experience is through you. Because God does not live in time. He watches the end and the beginning happen at the same time. So he can't experience it. He only can experience it through you. That's what he wants to do. Because God, you know how hard it is for God to build the, the Empire State Building? That's how long it took. Wow. Want to see me do it again? There's nothing. There's no challenge. There's no excitement. There's no exhilaration. That's all it is. I don't even think it's that. The exhilaration comes in overcoming all the obstacles that he overcomes with you watching you go brick by brick, challenge by challenge, overcome by overcome, victory by victory. And the woo of that, that's what he wants. That's why it's all here. So did you ever think you came up with the idea to buy property in Fort Erie or Buffalo, wherever your footprint is? No, that was God's idea. Is that gonna be fun? Ask Julia if it's fun. It's fun. It's had some stuff in it, but it's fun. Our thing is, is to go and start the dialogue. Do we have the nerve to start the dialogue? Do you have the guts to ask God, so God, what's on your mind? Where would you like to go? Where, you know, where would you like to go to dinner? I take the risk every time. You know, Tina, where would you like to go to dinner? I want to go to Chipotle. And then I'm saying, okay, where do you want to go? Because it's a risk. She could say she wants to go somewhere and I get kind of that gooey feeling in my belly after I eat there and say, no, don't say there, don't say there, don't say there. <laughs> I take the risk. Is it a risk? Right, because they may say something. It's like going to your husband and saying, I've got an extra $100. Where would you like to spend it? There's a possibility that they may not want to spend it on you. And so you take a risk, don't you? That's why we struggle with these things is because it's actually taking a risk to ask somebody else what, hey, what would you like to do with today? Because I already got my plan. I don't like, I don't, you know, if you know me, I don't like changing plans. And so we have to realize that there's a different mental state. And you know that you've seen people who get married and they don't understand this dynamic. Very popular in our world. You know, you just kind of come together, you know, it's mutually beneficial relationship. But there's never any joining together. You live your life, I live my life. You have your bank account, I have my bank account. You live in the city, I live in the country. You know, you have your car, I have my car. There's almost no place where the two lives intersect. I'm not, I, I, I have no comment about whether that's right or wrong. It's just not what I'm talking about today. So if you live that way, I'm not, I'm not prophesying to you. I'm saying that when God wants, if we look at Jesus's life, they would say to Jesus, they would say, they come to Jesus and they would say, Jesus, show me the father. What was Jesus's answer? He's right over there. No, he, what did he say? I'm sorry. If you've seen me, if you've seen what God wants to do today, just watch me. Because I'm doing exactly what God is doing. So how do we say that in our culture? We say we are completely synchronized, like the swimmers. You want to know what one of them is doing? Just watch the other one. They're doing exactly the same thing, like dancers. They're completely synchronized. That's how God was. Jesus was when he lived here. He would say, if you want to see what God is doing right now, just watch me. 
And sometimes it's an invisible thing. I don't know if you, you can hear it every now and again because somebody pops their earphone out of their ear. I, I don't know who that would be, but somebody does. <laughs> and you can hear... Do you ever hear that in the back, back of worship? Okay, that's... No, never happens. Well, that's a, a, a mnemonic device that they have in their earphones. You can't, you're not supposed to be able to hear it, but all the people on stage, when you're worshiping, they're hearing tick, 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 tick. Imagine worshiping God when you're hearing that in your ear. But that synchronizes all their activities so that the cling of the guitar and the bang of the drum and the note that they're singing is all completely in time together. They are synchronized by this apparently invisible, not so invisible sometimes, apparently invisible mechanism that is synchronizing them. Can I tell you how we synchronize with God? Same way Tina and I do with our calendars. We come together and we say, so what are you doing today? What am I doing today? How's it all going? And we work together on our dreams. And what do we do? We synchronize our lives together. Do you see that? That's what we have to do when we are going to God. As we come into covenant, the key of this non-chaotic, non-offensive, no fighting, no, no difficulty, no frustration relationship with God actually comes from the synchronization. Because most, I can tell you, if I've had a hundred challenges with God and I've had more, the challenges are always, I'm looking for him to synchronize with me without also looking for me to synchronize with him. How many of you have ever drive, driven a standard vehicle? Right? What the clutch does is it stops both sides and synchronizes them together. If you just try to use one side, the gear shift, to synchronize, what happens? Anybody ever tried that? What's happening is that you're trying to push one set of gears into another set of gears that are already in motion. That's what you're hearing is you're hearing the grinding of these things trying to come together before they synchronize together, right? That's what our life is like. A lot of our experience with God and the difficulties that we face where we're mad at God for not doing what he supposedly has to do is because we're not synchronizing together. So when you get married, your dreams need to get married too. That's not, you can't have really one without the other. And so as we do that then, what, what are we doing? We're, we're going from single when I have 100% on my mind. It's only me that matters. Even your friends, right? All of your friends when you're single are just people who are doing the same stuff that you're interested in doing. When you stop being interested in doing that, you'll find that your friends kind of drift away from you because your relationship was just built on common things. You all like chocolate ice cream, so off you go. But... When we get married, the beginning, this is important, the beginning of my marriage with Tina was at least that we were 50-50. You know, one day you picked a restaurant, next day I picked a restaurant, right? The next day you picked the carpet color, then the next day I picked the carpet color. And on and on it goes when we do 50-50. If we don't at least reach 50-50, then we're going to start pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling at the relationship until we pull it apart. But 50-50 is only the beginning. So if I say, okay, God, Mondays I do what you want, Tuesdays we do what I want. Wednesdays what you want, then Sunday, of course, is God's, and on and on. So we get three days a week each, three days a week each, and that's how we live for all eternity. That would be way better than what most Christians live like today. But that is only the beginning. What the objective is in my covenant is for me to finally get myself off my mind to the place where all I care about is what Tina wants. Oh, you're going to become a doormat. No, I'm not. Because I, we can only go down that road as Tina decides to get herself off her mind and only cares about what I want. How many of you know that's what love is? Because yes. I got myself right off my mind and all I care about is the other person. I take a big risk when I do that. Well, yes, that's why this is an important thing. Make sure you marry somebody you can trust that understands this process so that we start, we at least say, okay, Tina and I, our marriage is gonna get better and better and better. The more and more and more we can do 
51% of my life is about Tina, 52% about Tina, 53%, 54%, all the way to the place where, like Jesus was, it was zero Jesus, 100 God. Because he said to them, whatever you see me say, whatever you see me do, that's what God is doing. I'm just mimicking everything I see God do. God puts his hand there, I put my hand there. God says this, I say that. God goes here, I go there. He was completely synchronized. There wasn't a time when Jesus said, no. God goes left, "Uh uh-oh, no, lepers over there, nope. Right, oh, religious people, oh, 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 oh. You know, Italian with cross. No, see, Jesus never did that. He just completely synchronized with God. Which was good for Jesus because Jesus also knew that God was never thinking about himself either. See, the perfect place, perfect love casts out all fear. And we're going to get to that this year. That's just a little commercial. When we, re- when we get to perfect love, which is what God has towards me, God has zero thoughts about himself ever. He has never wondered, how do I feel today? That has never dawned on him to feel like that, to think that thought. He has all, so there's nothing on his mind that will preoccupy him except you. When we can get to that place that there is nothing on my mind except God, we have come into that what is perfect synchronization or perfect covenant. Now, now you may go ahead, have a go at it, see if you can make it, but we should at least be saying, this is where I'm going. Life, if I want to live, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to live like Jesus to the best that I possibly can. Jesus lived completely synchronized with the Father. Yes. So my objective, what's my discipleship journey about? Why do I come to church? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I fellowship with other people? Why do I pray? Why do I learn? Why do I pray in tongues? All those things are all to empower me to get more synchronized with God. Amen. You spit in my face. Wait, 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 wait. What should I do? I, gotta, I, I know what I feel like doing. But what should I do? Because I want to be synchronized, right? I want to be synchronized. Everything is about that synchronization that we are that we are shooting for, in the way we live each moment of, of our lives. Does that make sense, to everybody? So our journey then, the synchronization, which is going to be a key term when it comes to covenant. Because Tina and I's ability to get something done in our marriage is directly related to how synchronized we are. If we're fighting every day, if we're pulling at each other, if I'm judging her and miserable with her and cantankerous with her and, and, you know, a lot of other words that I often am, we get less and less and less done because we're wasting time dealing with stuff we shouldn't have to worry about. When you're dealing with that, you got how many times I got mad at God and how many times I've been frustrated and how many times that's wounded me in my perspective and you know, I didn't trust him now because last time he let me down, but he didn't let me down. I let him down. And just like it gets, how many are saying, yeah, this is a little confusing for yes. me. Yes. That's why people don't, can't fix marriages after a while. Because it's just like, you know, like unscrambling the egg. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's like the story. How many of you remember the story, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry? I love this. I love that little story. This, this couple, this Christmas time story back in the 1800s there where, um, help me with how this goes now. They didn't have any money to buy Christmas presents for each other at Christmas. And so the wife goes out, she has long hair, and so she goes out and she sells, cuts off her hair and sells her hair to the local wig maker so she could buy uh, her husband a gift. She goes, takes the money and she goes to the store and she finds this beautiful watch chain for the pocket watch that he has. And he buys her this beautiful chain buys him the beautiful chain so excited when he gets home from dinner that day but meanwhile uh, as as her husband walks in for christmas dinner he's got this shocked look on his face his wife who used to be long maned was now clipped up and he sits down for dinner still kind of shocked about the fact that his wife looks radically different than she looks before at least that's her interpretation of his look 
only to find out that she slips a, 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 her, the, the present, the, 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 the gift that, that she had bought him across the table after dinner, and he opens up the gift, and it's uh, chained for his pocket watch. And he reaches in his back pocket, and he pulls out a gift for her, a brush and comb set. See, he had sold his watch to buy her a comb, and she had sold her hair to buy him a watch chain. See what happened? How many of you can imagine in that story how valuable those, that chain is to that man? How valuable that comb set is to that woman, even though they can't use it? Right. has no natural value. Right. What was valuable about it is what? You sold everything. Isn't that what was valuable about the story? See, that's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for that dimension of things. So as we then step into that, with that understanding now, we're going to determine some goals and, val goals and priorities for 2019. Yep. But we would normally sit down and go, okay, I'd like this, and 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 I'd have a whole list of 400 things that I want this year. What we would have to do now that I'm married, I just don't get to make that list. I need to sit down with Tina and we need to say, what do we want, right? Where are we going? What would we like to do? Because my dreams have got married naturally. But what I'm going to encourage you to do as we're stepping into this new season, this is 2019 is different for all of us because we now know that what our journey really was as we were serving God was we have come in, we've chosen now. You don't make a mistake. If you did last year decide, I want to get married, then now coming into January, I need to talk to God about what does he do, what's his dream for 2019? What does he want from you? When he looks at your year, what's on his mind? And begin to discover how do we get all that to work in our set of goals and priorities this year? And I'm going to encourage you to define them in three categories. One is what do I want? And two, what is what God wants? Those are sort of list columns. But then in these columns, what do I want to believe? What am I believing for naturally? What am I believing for in my soul? And what am I believing for in my spiritual realm? So that I can define all three of those and begin to discover what does it mean to believe for something in all of those dimensions? So that, because most people's list, you know, is like a Christmas list. All of the presents that I want, natural things, which I'm okay with that. But I think we should be learning how do we get them in spirit, soul, and body to begin to discover the whole part about what it means to be a human being. All of the dimensions that are part of our reality. Then, the, now that you've done that, and we're going to do that, we're going to, I don't know, if, do they have cards or whatever they're going to do? So what I'm going to encourage you to actually hand those out now so that people can start thinking about them. So what I want you to do, I think they have a little bit of a, of a like an example that's going to go up on the screen here for you. But when you come to the dreams that you have, spirit, soul, and body, I want you to put a, a, a place there where it's like, okay, what I want, but also what does God want? And ask him, what are you looking for to happen in my life this year or in our lives together? We should not be let me give you a little hint here about what it means in covenant. It's very difficult for you to say, to talk about, to talk to me as if I'm an individual. Can we, you know, somebody called me, the bishop wanted me to go to Newcastle the other day. And I said, well, I have to hang on a second. I need to check with Tina. Because our schedules <clears throat> are so interwoven together, I can't just make decisions by myself. And so because she was, she's got my schedule tied up that day, we're watching one of the children, because uh, these guys are starting to record their second album now with uh, integrity. And so because of that, starting to do some of the vocal work and all of that kind of stuff, whatever, I'm not even quite sure. I'm talking out loud, but I'm not really sure what they're doing, but they're doing something. So we have the children for a few hours that day, and so I need to be there. And so I can't go with Bishop because I'm not me. It's not just one Z. I'm two people, right? And so we start thinking about our lives as we, me and God. What are we doing this year? And what are our priorities as we begin to go forward with that? <clears throat> so let me take on the last, I'll, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do what Pastor Alex says. I have six things to talk to you about, and I'm closing after that. 
Does that make you feel better when I say that? I, I don't like the six things helped you, but. The next thing you do is once you have that stuff on the list is you have to set in motion the things that bring that list to pass, okay? And this is very important. The power is not just in the list. Yes, it starts with a list, but then you have to actually set it in motion. So whatever is on the list, start looking at what can I do to set this in motion? It's kind of like this, if you were here last year or the year before, it will start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. But you gotta do something that sets it in motion. If you just make the list, stick it in your Bible, come back next year. I'm not saying God isn't gonna bless you with something on that list. He's kind of cool that way that he does. But that's not really how you, how you actively get it done, okay? So I'm gonna break it down into three possibilities for the things that are on that list. One, you already have what is needed in order to do it. Okay, that's like a New Year's resolution stuff. Number one and number two that I'm talking about today are kind of like New Year's resolution things. So my New Year's resolution is to get to the gym. Well, I already can get to the gym. And so I don't need to go home today and say, Lord, please find a way to get me to the gym. He's going to say what? Just go, right? Just, are you okay for another hit? Just... Discipline yourself because you already have what it takes. Right. You already can do it, right? If you make a commitment, I am going to be in church every Sunday in 2019. You already have the power to do that. So commit to it if that's a spiritual goal of yours. I'm going to read a book every month. You already can do that. So put it on your list. One is natural, I want to go to the gym. Two is I'm going to be in church every Sunday, spiritual. Three is I'm going to read a book and my soul, get my soul stronger. I already can do those things. Can I tell you something? Don't ask God to do stuff that you can do. Uh, you know, Olivia can't cut her steak yet. She doesn't eat meat, but let's say she doesn't, she, we don't give her sharp blades but we do expect her to be able to eat her potatoes. So I don't help her, mom doesn't help her, dad doesn't help her to eat her potatoes because she can already do that. And we expect her to do that. If you got a job, like get the, get the dish out of the top cupboard, she can't do that. And so we do that for her. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what we're doing is God, God, you need to give me the desire to go to the gym. No, you need to have the desire yourself. If you don't wanna go to the gym, don't go. Don't ask God for these type of things. I mean, he's willing to help you, but we do need to get to the place where we grab hold of this responsibility myself. I am already, it's already in my power to get my cell phone bill paid up to date. Just discipline yourself and get it done. Does that make some sense? And number two would be, it, it sort of is in my power, but I need to sacrifice something in order to have something else. And so if your desire would be to, I, you know, I want to give $25 to the Mainzas in Uganda every month, but I don't have the money. Well, you do have the money. Just make a decision that I'm going to not spend $7.50 a day on a latte. You have the power to do it. You just have to decide that supporting the Mainzas is more important to you does that make sense? Yes. And all of those things can go along. If you're making spiritual decisions, I'm going to go for a walk every day, but I don't have time. Then I have to sacrifice something else. If I wanted to go to the gym and I don't have the money, cut off the Netflix subscription and buy the gym subscription. See, $15 for this, 15 there it is right there. You just had to sacrifice in order to get the thing that you actually want. Can I tell you something? These are all things you can already do. So many times, hallelujah. Can I tell you, sometimes our dreams also need to grow up. Just like 
Olivia, when she grows up, eventually she'll have jobs to do that she's able to do, and we expect her to do them as parents or grandparents, whatever. When we're relating to God, if we're still just saying, God, you know, would you take the pee and drop it in my mouth, please? <laughs> I'm sorry, could you chew it a little better next time? <laughs> How many of you know God's going, yeah, see, not, I don't think that's working. Wouldn't you say God would do that? So a lot of the times, it's the, we're trying to get God to do things that we're just too lazy to do ourselves. I'm talking to myself here, so please don't think. I got, I'm trying to get to the gym myself. I could use to read a book every month, and I definitely need to up my tongues game. And so I got this too. But there's a third category. The third category is there's something that me and God put on that list that we both want to do that I can't do. It is not possible for me to do it. It is outside my control. I can't fix it. I can't make it. I can't pay for it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. There's just, and it ain't anywhere near me. That's a job <laughs> for the supernatural time. So if you're going to set things in motion in order to get the dream done, you can go ahead and try all you want. Go get another job, go, you know, run around the block, you know, tear all your hair out, fast until you're, you know, you become invisible. But what you have to do if it's on that impossible list is you have to set in motion the spiritual forces that turn impossible things into inevitable things. Because if you don't do that, it's the same thing as getting a gym membership and then just never going. You're not setting in motion what needs to be set in motion. Or you get a gym membership and you stand in front of the mirror the whole time and say, do you think I'm, uh, do you think I'm, uh... no, you got to lift the weights. You got to set it in motion if you want something to happen. Spiritual things now are very specific. It's not just a, oh, God's doing it. Matt, no, he's not. Hate to tell you. Because God knew Julia wanted that, that lot was what gonna make, gonna make Julia rich a hundred years ago. She needed, he needed Julia to do something. Isn't that true? She had to set in motion, not just a write a blank, uh, you know, write a bad check in order to buy that property. She had to set a whole bunch of stuff in motion in order to have that thing turn into what it turned into. And she had to believe something. She had to do something. She, right? That's why she's saying, this is a miracle, but it wasn't a miracle like I just sat in church and did nothing. This was work, right? So here's my list. Tina, come on up here. These are the spiritual things now. Uh, this is our... Okay. Don't let me go. It's clock's wrong. I think in Texas, it's only 1030. So here we are. This is my list. Four things. Number one, how do you set spiritual forces in motion to do stuff that's on your list with God that you cannot honestly, don't, don't fake it. God knows whether you can or can't. You know, every now and again, Olivia will say, I can't get the peas in my mouth. Yes, she can. We know she can. Habakkuk 2 verse 2, write it down. And I put this beside it. I said, have the boldness to believe. Can I tell you something? Your soul does not even want to acknowledge what you are thinking right now when it's impossible because impossible means you're going to fail. It doesn't even want to think about that. When God comes to you and he says, you want, I want you to do this, it's like, oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? I'm sorry. I think God's talking to me, Tina, for you to do something. No, he's talking to you. You have to have the boldness to say, I'm going to write that down. Because even worse than the possibility that you're going to fail or be humiliated is the fact that you're going to fail or be humiliated publicly. So when the person beside you look, peeps over and says, oh, what's on your list? Uh-oh. None of your business. Now if I fall down, <laughs> now if I make a mistake, now if I fail, right? John's going to know. John's going to tell everybody, right? Falling down is one thing. Falling down in front of your friends is something totally different. How many of you know that? 
Okay, so quickly talk about the example of just write it down. So um, we would follow the principle of Habakkuk in our life that says that when God puts something in your heart um, that you are to do something and so we would write it down. And so we would have a practice. At one time we were believing God for a van. I, I basically would tell people uh, over the years as I'm giving this story that whatever has gone up on our fridge has manifested. And so we would just um, go through the process of faith and then one of those things is to put it before our eyes, believing, being specific and believing for something that's specific, putting it up there and um, going along with our story of in our times of prayer together as a family, whether we'd march around or whatever, we would always end it and we would say, everybody's gonna march around the island. <laughs> and then when you march around the island, you go past the fridge and you slap it and say, thank you, Lord, we have it. And, um, <laughs> but you had, remember, it's just, just the guts to put it on the fridge. And every single thing that we would put on our fridge yep. that, that God would drop in our heart. And if I could say this, um, one of the, the things that I really learned in my life when it came to doing this very thing and asking God for things, because when we came to the Lord, we needed a lot. Before we came to the Lord, we didn't. <laughs> but when we came to the Lord, um, we were so... Um, naive and our heart was just to do everything right without the understanding and so we really needed the Lord's help and um, so I learned through the process of ha you know having a relationship with God and asking him for things and not seeing them manifest that I was asking for the wrong things at the wrong time and so this synchronization is very critical mm -hmm. in life because the things that you want that God wants you to have are sometimes locked up in time. And often that has to do with our level of preparedness and maturity and things have to come together. And so I was frustrated at first because I, I was giving myself wholeheartedly to this idea of synchronization, but wasn't seeing the manifestation of things. And when I started asking the Lord, is this your will and is it now? And I would hear a yes then we would move on those things. And when we would give ourselves to them and they would become our focus, then we would see the manifestation of those things. And right. one of the other things that I, I mentioned to you yesterday that I think is very important in this whole process because our desire or your desire today in having lived this for 30 years as best as we could and as focused as we could, there were definitely, it wasn't just like, you know, cakewalk, is that what they say? And so um, one of the, as we were kind of speaking yesterday along today, I, I, one of the things I'd mentioned to you is that somehow in life, we don't think about this idea that I wake up every day and I go to work. I wake up every day and I go to work. I wake up every day and I go to work. I wake up every day and I brush my teeth. Uh, most of us do. I wake up every day <laughs> and I put my clothes on. They're just things that we are just doing persisting at and when it comes to these things that will change our life we have to we have to get into the same kind of motion the same kind of habitual activity because if we would just continue in things we are coming from the place sometimes of chaos and if we'll just hang in there long enough to go from chaos to order doesn't necessarily look like things are changing right away which is where faith is necessary but if we will hang on long enough like we wake up every morning and go to work eventually that thing will change and that's the key to this thing is sticking with things and and i just wanted to share those two things yeah. i know it's not what you asked so that that was going right into number two here which is once you have gotten it written down what you need to do is get a green light from god so yeah. be in that process where the stuff that you write on that little card, there is a time when you're saying, okay, God, is this, is this, is, is this actually something that we are synchronized on? Yes. Right? Or, and is this now? And yes. so when we can say, okay, God, yes, this is something believing for, but it's just not a priority. It's like Olivia believing God for a motorcycle. It's not time right? There's going to be a time, I trust, for that in her future, but it's not now. 
So don't waste time on that. I need you to figure out how to get the peas into your mouth. Do you understand? And so interacting like that and being okay with them saying, it's like Tina and I, we want to go on a vacation. Well, maybe this year isn't the year. Maybe we're going to go next year. And so we're okay. We can make that decision. Let's just go next year. Do you understand? We could be okay with that because it's a relationship that you're building and you're listening to God saying, it's not now. It may be, or maybe it's just never going to let that go. Mm -hmm. Right? I want to sing off the top of every mountain. Mm -hmm. Let it go. I'll get you a couple of them, but let it go. And be okay with that. Does that make sense? Because we have to buy into this idea that God God knows what's best. And victorious forward. And victorious living truly, and this is only in Him. Right. That's what we And so if you take a look at two of them there, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, is that uh, we get faith by hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that word, word there is the word rhema. Mm -hmm. There's two ways of, you may probably know this, logos and rhema. So logos is everything God has ever said ever anyhow. But rhema is that thing that lights in your life right now. Like you could read seven chapters of the Bible and one passage just goes bow in your Mm -hmm. heart. Okay, that's a rhema. That's trying to get light into you. God's saying, go after it. It's got weight. There's glory or or anointing Mm -hmm. or however you would describe that in that, or you're meditating with the Lord and all of a sudden a scripture will come up or you're listening to a teaching and all of a sudden it's like, bam, that's just, that's got weight with me. Mm-hmm. Those are rhema moments where it's a now thing God is saying to you that is applicable in your life right now. He There's wants you to in zero in on it, magnetize yourself to that. And then Proverbs 15 is also uh, safety in the counsel of many, right? Starts off by saying you try to do stuff by yourself and you start wars and you have chaos and it's way harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But if you have counsel, that's really talking about counsel from people who know how to counsel you. So there are people who are already ahead of you in the game, mm-hmm. right? So if you wanna know how to buy a house, go talk to Julia, she's ahead of you in the game, right? Talk to somebody, talk to a banker, talk to a mortgage guy, talk to a real estate guy, get counsel on these type of things when it comes to the plan that you're starting to fudge together. And that will, that will give you a lot of safety from, uh, from uh, you know, it'll make the journey easier for you. There won't be as many potholes in it because you'll be ready for stuff as it comes. Number three, go ahead. I just want to say there's a, there's a big debate around the idea of counsel, even though the word talks about the counsel of many. And if we honestly believe that God knows everything and we've surrendered our heart to the idea that we want to be synchronized, that should be a, a place of absolute ease to us. Right, and, but also remember, as I, we've, you know, I'm, it's not my first rodeo. So I've had, you know, I, the Lord told me that I need to leave Tina and marry somebody else. Well, no, that wasn't God, not right? The, the, I feel the Lord telling me to shoot my neighbor because his dog is pooping in my yard. No, that's <laughs> not God. But you can think it's God because it <laughs> sometimes, depending on how your soul is, you have to learn the process of, you know, hopefully Pastina can spend some time unwrapping what she means when she says hearing from God, mm-hmm. right? God said, I, I was with God the other day and I saw a waterfall with a, with a dove hanging over the top of it on this beautiful branch. So I guess I need to go to Uganda. No, that's not, that's not exact, right? That's why you need counselors that are with you, right? They're going to go, okay, that, I don't think that means that, right? And ha- people who can help with your journey of discovering what this is like. A lot of our issues in the early years was running ahead with things, thinking that we could lift 100 pounds when we couldn't get a, hun- a, a single pound off the ground yet. Yeah. And we created problems for ourselves jealous. in that. And we get mad at God because God didn't tell you to do that. Just, you, taught, you, were, you had a lot of reasons why we do things that aren't necessarily God. So learn the process. You may already know it. I'm just being, we're talking to a whole group here. Good reminders. And so the number three then is set your hope in motion. Hope Mm -hmm. is the critical thing a human being must do. So number one, see it already done. Whatever your situation is, if you believe in God for a motorcycle and that's good with God and that's good with you, see yourself riding the motorcycle. Yes. If you're seeing yourself in a new home, see yourself in the new home. Go in the front door, sit down on the couch in your mind. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to see that. If if you can't see it, you are not believing for it. There is no Mm -hmm. hope. But Hebrews 11 says, faith Mm -hmm. is the substance of things hoped up. 
four. That means you hope first. So love comes first. It's all about God and me. Hope comes second. I need to be able to see it in my mind. There could be a lot of reasons why you can't see your house in your mind, why you can't see yourself going to the gym, why you can't see yourself uh, um, reading a book every month, why you can't see yourself getting a new job, why you can't. There's a lot of reasons, and you can fix those reasons. Then once you can see it on the inside, like, Abra like uh, it said about Abraham, Hebrews 11 again says that Abraham went up the mountain and he had already received Isaac back in a figure. Mm -hmm. That means in his mind, he was walking down the mountain with Isaac in his mind. He could see that. That's hard. If you know you just cut the guy in half and burned him at the stake at the top of the mountain, you're thinking, I ain't got, I, what I'm worried about on the way down is how I go tell Sarah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? No, no, that's not what Abraham was doing. Abraham had him walking down beside him on the way back down. And I will return. In his mind. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Yes. The next thing you do is you start saying what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Say, I'm thank you, Lord. Not God, can I have a new house? That's already been established. Yes. You should have already done that. Receive it. That's step done. one. Now, yes and yes. Now you can see it. Thank you, Lord, for my new house. Done. Thank you, Lord, that it's paid for. Or thank <laughs> you, Lord, that it's got whatever it is that you're believing for. And I love it and I'm enjoying it and I declare it into existence and I'm talking to the angels and I'm talking to creation and I'm talking to the money and I'm talking to the favor and I'm talking to the grace mm -hmm. and I'm saying, come on, because mm -hmm. I have it, yeah. right? Romans chapter four, Abraham, like God, calling things that be not as though they already are. Mm -hmm. God comes into a dark zone known as the universe, and he says, light be. He doesn't say, it's sure dark out here, no. right? He calls things that be, be not. not as though they already are. Yeah, they were. Okay, they, they, in his mind, mm -hmm. they already exist. Right. Okay, talk about, oh, I, I skipped over one. You got, you got two. So you can take this one or this one. Uh, so I can, um, so basically hope is a principle of the word. The Bible says that faith, is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is that picture that you, in your time with the Lord and working through and trying to understand his will, that creates a picture somehow, whether it's not necessarily something you're going to see, but a perception of things. And so we work with that through our God-given imagination. And it creates the word of God then, the will, which is the will of God, creates a picture, so to speak, that our faith is looking to go and grab hold of and create. That's the way it works with fear. It's the way it works with faith. That's why Job said that which I greatly feared came upon me. It okay, created so a negative Have you hope. had a time in your life when you have actually used that, like a testimony yes. of using so I, um, when we were, I was believing God for a physical healing um, in my elbow. I had a big, huge, um, I guess like an eczema or psoriasis, I never really got it checked out, patch, and had been there for years, and um, I'd been declaring very faithfully the word of God. We had seen healings in our family, so this was easy, um, you know, but it had been there for a long time. Um, I went to a meeting once, and the minister prophesied over my arm that I would receive a healing. When, when I left that building that night, I looked at my arm, and, and the, I was completely healed. Problem was the picture in my heart because it had been there was not a picture of what God said about me healed. It was all I saw was my sick elbow. And, and so we began, I began to. What happened after that? Then? I um, went to the Lord and. No, what happened? You had the picture, but the picture was wrong. And so the picture what happened? was wrong. And so it came back. It came back. It came back. Sorry, I'm trying to go quickly. No, it's okay. It came back. And so then we started learning about this idea that faith needs a blueprint to go after. And so I set myself to it and I would close my eyes. I knew the will of God was for me to walk in healing. And, but when I would close my eyes, all I could see was my patch because it had been there so long. So I said to the Lord, I, I don't know how to do this because when I close my eyes, all I see is this. And so he said to me, look at your healed elbow. Look one. at the other one. So I opened my eyes and looked at my other elbow and it was white and it was smooth. Nice. And beautiful. Feminine. <laughs> 
And so I locked that in. And uh, within two days, my arm was completely healed and has been healed ever since. Right. I can't take, I can't bring this down, but it's, it's been healed ever since. We take your word and I've it. had temptations. Um, when I've given the testimony to people, all of a sudden that fear would try to rise up and I would just calm down and bring the picture back and rehearse the word and it would go away. And right I've on. been healed. It's been years and years. Okay. So, and, years. and that's a very important step because yeah. if we're not doing that step, then our soul still sees the patch even though we're saying all this and believing all this and talking a good game and all that. And meanwhile, in our soul, we haven't aligned our soul. What do you see on the inside? And you want to get it. It's like I could, if you go in, you know, close your eyes and I say, okay, go up to your front door, go in the front door of your apartment or your house, you know, take your coat off, put it in the closet, walk into the kitchen. You can see that. Maybe not at first, but over time. Well, most people, yeah, that's true. Because at first I couldn't really see inside of my head either, mm -hmm. but... Work on work the ability to actually see that happen. Mm -hmm. And as you're seeing that, it's becoming real. And we'll yeah. talk about this another time, but that's a critical component that that feels real to you mm -hmm. on the inside. If you've never been in my house and I describe what it's like for you to walk through my house, then you're seeing the ideas, but yeah, front door, I don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Floor, I don't know what that is. I don't know where the fridge is. I don't know how to get there. I don't know any of that stuff because I've never been there. Mm -hmm. right? But in your house, you can tell that you know where you're going. Mm -hmm. What you want your inner picture to be is that you see it real. Mm -hmm. You can be confident that it will show up in your life. You just have to focus on the supernatural way that that happens. Yeah. The primary teaching that Jesus gave when he was here on this earth is how do you get that to happen? Mm -hmm. Number one, you need to understand the promise and the promisor. Yes. So what did, who is God and what did he say? Yes. So you're studying about his nature, that he cannot lie, that he cannot forsake you, that he cannot fail, that all of these natures of God. Then the promise in your life, like we have on the board out there, God is able to bring to pass that which he has promised. Mm -hmm. And so you're focusing on that. Lord, you said this was happening. And so I'm focusing on understanding you and I'm focusing on understanding the promise. What is a motorcycle? What do I need to do to get a motorcycle? How do I get to drive one? How do you get the insurance? How many wheels does it have? All of these things that you need in order to understand, really understand what it is you are believing for. You're believing to put a roof on the building. You need to understand what that is and see every part of it on the inside of your mind, okay? Number two, persevere against any and all opposition. There is gonna be opposition, even if it's only in your own mind. Be ready to overcome that opposition. Somebody comes to you and says, oh, you millennials will never have houses. That, oppose that. You already know somebody did, many have, right? Mm -hmm. They say, well, no, that, that, when you get that, you die. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. Well, you're always going to be poor. No, you're not. Say something. Right? You got to push against that. Be ready to oppose it. Don't mm -hmm. be surprised by it when it comes. Number three, focus on it. When you get bored or distracted, mm -hmm. cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, life comes in and distracts us or we get bored or we get onto something else or whatever. Stay with it. And then four, be ready <clears throat> to harvest it when the time comes. It will come, but a lot of times the, the blessing comes and you miss harvesting it. You weren't able to pull the trigger. You weren't, as Pastor Tina would, will, will say, you need to be built up strong on the inside because when the time comes to put the sickle in and take the harvest, you need to have the strength to put the sickle in and take the harvest. You can't be burned out by the perseverance and the focus and the... You got to be ready when that thing comes. And we okay. see the value in... We, we've learned over time the value of rolling up our sleeves in hard work. Yeah. And what we want to do in this year is transform our thinking to believe that time spent with the Lord behind closed doors, doing these things, allowing the word and the will of God to create a picture is actu actually 
more valuable time right. than time you going out there in your business and doing what it does. God's, God can cause you to be at the right place at the right time with the right people and you get it done in five minutes rather than a week. Yeah. Come on, yeah. God, God does that over and over and over without thinking, so to speak. Well, let me encourage you to take the time right now while you're in the presence of the Lord, get a hold of the list that you have, the piece of paper that you have, and then write down at least something that you, are, you and God are believing for this year. And then grab your phone and take a picture of it so you have it, but then take your little card, don't put your name on it or anything like that, unless you want to, um, and then bring it, and when you're coming up here or whatever, before you leave service today, just pin it up with a glue dot onto the whiteboard. And what we're going to do is we're going to be together over the next couple of weeks. As you know, it's a, there's fasting and prayer time that's coming, and there's different things that are coming over the next couple of weeks where we just let these things that are on the board receive prayer, be in front of our eyes the whole time, that I am going to lock into what it is that, I have, that God has said, this is my possession in 2019. Because let me tell you something, if you will do it, now remember, you know, don't, if you believe in God to be an astronaut and go to the moon, that takes longer than a year. So try to do incremental things that you are believing for this year, right? Don't, that was my problem in the beginning, right? If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it big, right? Don't, 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 don't do that because it can just be, a, you know, if you're gonna go into the gym, don't start by lifting 600 pounds, right? Start where you are. Start where you are, but believe God for something that is going on that board where we can put it on there and begin to pray over it. Every time you come, you're and looking at it, you're your saying, okay, it. that's still before my eyes. I'm yes. not letting it get lost. I'm building hope for it. I'm building faith for it. I'm getting the counsel of people. I'm starting where I'm at. I'm using what I have. I'm doing what I can. I'm putting everything out there to begin to see that start to come to pass. And Amen. We're gonna be